Well, good morning, church. Good early morning. Turn in your Bibles because we've got to get right to it because we've got a lot of ground to cover. Turn in your Bibles to um, Acts chapter 4, yeah? We're going to back up in Acts a little bit. It's okay. While you're turning there, I want to illustrate what I'm going to be preaching about today. Forty years ago this month, believe it or not, wow, 40 years ago. Forty years ago, I started work as a switchman for the Southern Pacific Railroad in El Paso, Texas. A switchman is the lowest form of life in the operating department on the railroad. Um, what, you, what you do is you work in a yard. Um, I worked a lot of nights. Um, and you switch out cars and make up trains. It's a very dangerous environment. You're in a dark yard. It's, you're handling literally tens of thousands of tons. It's steel wheel on steel rail. You've got to be careful. Cars moving everywhere. And they don't make a sound when they're moving. So you've got to be careful. Anyway, when I started with the railroad, we didn't really have any radios, especially for switchmen. We didn't use radios. Instead, we used hand signals. So I'm going to take some time this morning just very quickly to teach you some railroad hand signals to illustrate the point that I'm going to make as we, as we get into the word of the Lord. So this signal here, and I'm using a timetable cover, and we use this because we're working over long distances, sometimes a mile and a half. This signal here means come to me during the daytime, okay? And if I want to back up, I do this. Back up, back up, go away from me, okay? If I want to stop, I go like this. And if I'm really excited about stopping, I'm like this. Um, and that happens quite a bit. Um, and then at night, this is my original railroad lantern, 40 years old. I got it to work. Praise God, because I needed it for my illustration. I got the light bulb. Um, so go ahead and kill the lights, Chris. I'm going to show you some night signals. These were the ones that I was really familiar with because low seniority guy, young man, I'm working nights. So at night, the signals change a little bit. You've got to know which way the locomotive is headed. So if I want the locomotive to go forward, I go like this. Okay, go forward. I want the locomotive to go back. I'm going like this. Of course, it's about the same if I'm going to tell the locomotive or the cut of cars to stop. I'm going like this. And if I'm going to cut the air brakes in on the cut of cars or the train that I'm working around, I do like this. Now, this is a very important signal because this means I'm going to go between the cars and I'm going to handle some air hoses. Please don't move, locomotive engineer. I can get killed. And here's the last one that you use as a switchman a lot. This is called the kick signal. Just like that. And that means that you can go ahead and turn the lights on, Chris. The kick signal means that I'm going to cut off a cut of cars and I'm going to put them in a track. So what I want you to do, locomotive engineer, is I want you to put it in throttle eight and do not stop until I tell you to stop. So it's a pretty interesting um, environment. And we'll come back to that lantern here at the end of what God has given me to preach to you today. What did I do with Oh, there's my water. So did everybody find Acts chapter 4? 
we're backing up in, in Acts. Pastor Allen's been preaching forward, but God gave me a word to speak about prayer, so I've got to go back to Acts chapter 4. It's very specific about what God has given me. You know, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he left behind a church, but what he really left behind was a prayer meeting. And if you look at Acts, the book of Acts, there is praying going on in every chapter except for two. Prayer in every chapter of the book of Acts except for two, and in in those two chapters, the church is in trouble, big-time trouble. So, I want to set the scene. We're going to start with uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 24, but let me set the scene. So, the Holy Spirit has come. John and Peter are going on a daily basis up into the temple, and they're ministering in the temple, and things are happening. They're preaching the word of the Lord. They're preaching about Jesus. Things are happening. Healings are taking place. They're, they're ministering to people up there, and, and it so happens in chapter 3 that a uh, man who was lame for, from birth for 40 years, 40 years he was lame, he gets healed. And so the authorities, the high priest, the Sanhedrin, sees Peter and, and John, and they drag them before the council. And they drag them into their presence, and they say, all right, boys, enough of this. Well, they can't really do too much to him, to these guys, because the lame man is there. There's a miracle that has been taking place. All the people are gathering around saying, did you see what happened? This lame guy got healed. He's healed. It's awesome. So the authorities that they're arrested and dragged before say, okay, boys, here's the deal. You need to quit talking about Jesus. All right? Don't talk about Jesus anymore. We're going to let you go. So Peter and John go back to their friends, and they're just rejoicing. They're rejoicing. And they're telling them, hey, guys, listen. Man, it's awesome. We got arrested. Cool. But check it out. We got to tell those guys about Jesus. We got to tell them about Jesus. And so the people that they go back to tell receive this news, and we'll pick it up in Acts chapter 4, verse 24, and here's what they say, and here's how they respond. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and then they begin to quote Psalm, chapter, or Psalm 2, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And then they break back into a prayer. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Take note of this next phrase. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They surrendered. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the third time that Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
in the book of Acts. This is an amazing response, church. This is the church facing the earliest sense of persecution. And what do they do? They come together and they say, and they pray. Awesome. And in a lot of ways, church, I'm telling you that today, this church, I'm talking about the church is represented by Jesus universally, is in the same place, on the verge of persecution. And our response should be to pray. So I'll tell you what, let's pray. Bow your heads. Father, I just thank you for this uh, time that we get to spend with each other in your word, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that as you, uh, as you speak to your people today, that you would use me, Father God, and that I would hear your voice clearly, Father God, and that you would prepare the hearts of your people, Father. I thank you for this people that are here this morning, Lord God. Thank you for their receptive hearts, their listening ears, Lord. Bless them as they hear. Use them as we leave. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. All right. So, in your bulletin today, you had this insert. And I'm going to kind of pray us through the, I mean, preach us through. <laughs> I'm going to pray us too. <laughs> um, we're going to preach through this little insert. And there's a reason that we're using this little insert today. Um, because I want you to keep it and use it. I'll give you a charge about that a little bit later on. So the first one, the first letter, is the letter S. We're going to pray specifically yet surrendered. Here's what I mean by that. Specifically yet surrendered. So you can fill in the blanks. <clears throat> Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving may... Let your request be made known to God. Isn't that an amazing statement right there? It is amazing because what God is telling us through this verse is we're not supposed to be anxious about anything. Well, i got to tell you, I get anxious, brothers and sisters, and I know that there are some anxious people around me. There's no doubt about it. But what this word tells me is that in everything, whenever I start to get anxious, I'm supposed to lift up that anxiousness, that request to the Lord God Almighty. And sometimes I sit there and I think about this and I think, well, you know, some of the things that make me anxious are really little. You know, I mean, they're little things. Come on. It's not big enough for God. Or God doesn't really want to hear about that. No, church, that's not the case. God is a God of infinite bandwidth. He can hear each and every one of us. He has the ability to deal with every little request that we lift up to him. He desires that level of relationship with you and me. He really wants to be that participatory in our lives. And why? Because he wants to show himself big to each and every one of us. When we make our requests known to God, what we're actually doing is we're positioning God to show himself out, as they used to say in the country. We're positioning God to say, to show us how he moves and how he works on our behalf and how he responds to our prayers. 
My prayer today is that each one of us will engage God in that way and will have testimonies as a result. So what does it mean to surrender, though? Surrendered. We're going to pray surrendered. Well, um, once we have made our request known to God, we know that we've placed these requests into the hands of a good, good God. God is good. So I give them to God, but I also recognize that as I give them to God, that God is doing something in the world. Okay? This is why in the, in the passage in Acts chapter 4 that we just read, that the early church said, well, we don't exactly understand what happened to, the, to Jesus, but we know that it was part of your plan and that you are doing something in the world. We saw Jesus and what happened to him. It's part of your plan. We acknowledge that you're a good God. They saw that they were part of something so much bigger than what they were dealing with now. And this is the way that we should react as well as prayers here in the world today. We give our request to God, but we recognize that God knows my life story, and he knows your life story, and he knows your life story from beginning to end. I'm giving my request to God, but he is operating on those requests Uh, in a way that is advancing his kingdom. When we understand that, it becomes so much easier to say, Father, your will, your will to be done in my life. Your will be done in my life. The letter E on your little handout, it's encouragement and empathy. We're going to pray encouragement and empathy church. I can't tell you how many times that I have been blessed as I go to a brother here in this house and I explain what I need prayer for and they begin to pray for me and over me and I'm standing there and I am so humbled as they begin to pray because it's obvious that they're directly connected to the Holy Spirit and they're praying exactly what God is telling them to pray. It encourages me when I present my request to a brother and they pray in that fashion. And it encourages me when I pray for somebody, when they come back to me and they say, Greg, Greg, you're not going to believe it. Well, what? Well, God did it. And I'm like, yay, God, I'm so encouraged. This is the kingdom of God at work. We're receiving and we're giving, but we're, both, we're encouraged on both ends of the equation. Isn't this awesome? We, we serve a wonderful God. He encourages us coming and going, church. And because we're praying together, we begin to experience this, this sense of, of empathy. What I mean by that is that, that if, if somebody comes to me and and says, Greg, this is what I'm dealing with. Would you pray for me? Immediately, that person and I are connected in a way that goes, that is truly supernatural. It's truly supernatural. I'm identifying with that person. I, I, it, you know, this is a trite statement, but it should not be trite in the, in the context of this community. I can feel their pain. And I can pray into that. I feel their emotions. And I rejoice with them when the victory is won. And I grieve as they go through the process. And, 
And I, I feel that pain for the people. This is empathy at work, and it's what we're called to do, church. You know, the world is leaving, the, uh, actually losing this sense of empathy. And I guess that makes sense if you think about it, because 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us that in, in the last days, men will become lovers of themselves. Well, a lover of a, of, a, of a person, a narcissistic person, if I love myself, I can't empathize with others. And I think it's compounded in this day and age by, by social media. You know, we post a prayer request on social media, and, and, but there's no real connection there. So in both ways, we're beginning to lose that connection. But church, we can change this. The world is looking for empathy. And I believe that this community, we can show the world another and a better way. We can connect with each other. We can pray for one another. We can bear each other's burdens. And there's another reason that, that, that we as God's people should be encouraged. Listen to this. You know what? You know somebody. You got a connection. Awesome. Man, in business, if you got a connection, it really helps out. Well, you got a connection with the Most High God. It's a big deal. Let me introduce you to Thomas Lincoln. Here he is. President Lincoln called him Tad. This is the youngest son of President Lincoln. He was eight years old when the Lincolns moved into the White House. And the reason they called him Tad is he was just a vivacious kid. He was always moving around full of life, never met anybody that he didn't want to befriend. He would move so much that, that Abraham Lincoln said, man, you are, you are like a tadpole. And so the name Tad stuck. So as I was preparing for this sermon... I came across this story about Tad Lincoln, and President Lincoln is in the Oval Office, and there are a couple of people from Kentucky, believe it or not, that are trying to see President Lincoln, and President Lincoln is dodging him, dodging these people. He, doesn't, he knows what they want. He's trying to stay away from them. In, the day, in that day, the White House was not the fortification that it is today, so these Kentuckians are sitting out on a bench outside the White House. And Tad comes running up to these Kentuckians and, and says, Hey, guys, why are you so sad? And they said, Well, you know, we're trying to see the president and he's not going to see us. What? What do you mean? Come on. And so he grabs their hands, rushes into the White House, through all the hallways, right into the Oval Office, brings him in front of President Lincoln and says, Daddy, no, he actually called him Papa. Papa, look at these friends that I've met. They want to talk to you. <laughs> well, President Lincoln really couldn't do anything about it. I mean, and this is, you know, so he, he met with the Kentuckians. And this is how it works for us, church. We know somebody. And when we see somebody or come across somebody, 
that needs to be drugged into the presence of the most high God, let's grab their hands. Let's rush into that presence with them and present them to the one who has all power. Amen? Amen. One other thing that I want to say before we leave this, this, uh, this point. Let's pray encouraging words. Here's what I mean by that. It's very important. There have been a number of times where I've told somebody that I need prayer in, in some area of my life, and, and they pray, and I'm not being critical. Please don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is that you don't have to pray the problem again. I already told you what the problem is. But a lot of people want to pray the problem, and before they get done, and before I know it, I got a lot more problems than I even brought. And I'm like, whoa. Man, thank God I asked for prayer because I didn't need, I know I needed that much. Woo. It's kind of like driving down the road and looking in the rearview mirror all the time. You know? No, let's pray with encouragement. Let's pray looking forward. Let's pray in anticipation of what God will do in that situation. Amen? Let's pray in a way that's victorious. Brings me to my next point. The letter V, we're going to pray vicarious victory. Vicarious victory. Here's what I mean. We sang this morning, oh, victory in Jesus. And I believe that today, in this hour, and in this world, this culture that we're facing right now, we need to really, really, really remember that Jesus is victorious. Jesus is victorious. He was, he is victorious, and he will be victorious. And so that's how we pray. The world needs to see a victorious Jesus operating in our lives and through our prayers. Jesus was victorious when he stood up in the throne room of heaven and he said, Father, I'll go. I'll do it. And so he went to earth fully human, fully God, and he humbled himself as a baby. Jesus was victorious when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he was crying out there. And we're, we're about ready to, to celebrate this season but he was in the garden and he was crying out and he said, Father, if there's any way, if there's any way, can this cup be taken from me? And then he won the victory when he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Victory in the word nevertheless. Eternal victory for all of us. He was victorious when he allowed himself, even though he was all-powerful creator God, creator of everything that we see, he allowed himself to be taken captive and tried. And he's sinless. And he was mocked and he was scourged. He's beaten and he's bruised and he's nailed to a cross and he dies on that cross. For all of us. But he was victorious 
even through that. And he was victorious in three days after he was laid in the grave, and he rose again and he overcame death for, for all of us. He was victorious through that. And Jesus is victorious and will be victorious because he's coming again, and he's, I believe he's coming again soon. And when he comes again, he will absolutely be victorious. He will be King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. You can throw that uh, passage from Revelation up there. I want to read to you from Revelation chapter 3, the New Living Translation. It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on the throne. Because he is victorious, we are victorious. So when we pray, we don't pray ever from a position of defeat. We pray from a position of victory, and that victory was because of everything that Jesus has done, is doing, and will do. Amen. Amen. A few months ago, um, I texted this out to a lot of the brothers that are here, but um, the movie Justice League was released, and um, Ben Affleck, who um, starred in that movie, made this statement. It's just, just so poignant to me. Here's what Ben Affleck said about Justice League, the movie. We certainly are in need of heroes in 2017. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, from natural to man-made disasters, and it's really scary. Part of the appeal of this genre is wished fulfillment. Wouldn't it be nice if there was somebody who can save us from all this, save us from ourselves, save us from the consequences of our actions, and save us from people who are evil? Exactly. You know, duh. Well, I think there is, Ben. Thank you, Lord. The world is looking for a victorious Jesus. You represent victorious Jesus. It's a big deal. The next point is we're going to pray eternity and evangelism. Eternity and evangelism. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Did you know that God put eternity into your heart? So that when we relate to each other, what we're doing is we're relating to each other as vessels of eternity, literally eternal beings. That in and of itself should be enough for each and every one of us to be burdened to pray that that eternal being that is in the person that we come across knows Jesus and will spend eternity in the presence of the Most High God. That should burden us to pray in that, in that way. This is actually exactly what the early church was praying for in Acts chapter 4. Lord, give us signs and wonders and miracles so that we can be even more bold on your behalf here 
in this enemy territory. We're going to be bold. Do miracles. Do wonders. Show yourself mighty. Throw, I want to introduce you to Eddie Deans. This is a, not a good picture, but this is Eddie Deans. Um, Eddie was Marietta and I's dance instructor for years and years and years and years, and I told the first service that um, if Marietta was learning ballroom dance, we would only have to take lessons for about a year, but because I was learning as well, it was years and years and years and years. <laughs> anyway, Eddie, um, this is actually at the uh, Petroleum Club. Eddie's retiring from the Petroleum Club after teaching dance, ballroom dance at the Petroleum Club for 50 years. We were at this, this party for, for Eddie. Eddie died in 2017 in January, right after New Year's Day. He was 100 years old, and I loved him. Yeah, he was a good guy. I loved him. After Marietta and I first started taking ballroom dance lessons with Eddie, Eddie was a very formal man. And so one week after the lesson, he came to us and he approached us and he said, I must respectfully request that we not have a lesson next week. And I said, okay, Eddie, well, why? And he went on to explain that for the, for the six previous years at this point, for six years, every six months, Eddie would go to the doctor and they would go into his bladder and he had bladder cancer and they would go into his bladder with a laser and they would laser off all of the cancerous lesions that were in his, his uh, bladder. So when Eddie told us this story, I mean, I was like, Hey, Eddie, hey, let's pray. So Marietta and I grabbed his hands, and we prayed. We prayed into the situation. The following week, Eddie came back, and he said, Greg, you're not going to believe it. Well, what am I not going to believe? He said they went in there to do the inspection, and guess what? There was no cancer. And we're like, praise Jesus. Yeah, yeah, there was no cancer in there. So six months went by, and Eddie comes to us and makes the same request, you know. But in this case, he says, hey, listen, I can't come next week. I'm so sorry because I have to go up and let them look at my bladder. Can you pray for me? <laughs> so we prayed, and sure enough, God showed himself strong. And from there on, for years afterwards, as a matter of fact, he died cancer-free. Thank you, Lord. But here's the big deal. He recognized through that miracle that Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior. And so when we get to heaven, Eddie's going to be there in his ascot if, if this is even biblically true. But he'll be dancing in heaven. And I'm looking forward to it. Great story. The next letter. We're going to pray now and never ending. Church, I'm guilty of this from time to time, and I apologize right now, but somebody will come to me and say, Greg, can you pray for me? And I say, yeah, I'll pray for you. Walk away. And I do pray. But what I am saying here is that we need to pray now. Let's pray now.
If we have an opportunity to pray, it doesn't take long. Let's pray. Let's pray now. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna quit doing that. First Thessalonians five says, "Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus." We're going to pray without ceasing. Our our prayer life will never stop. Prayer will be part of who we are. We're going to continue to pray forever. Amen. Amy, you can go ahead and come on up here. I'm going to make, I'm going to have Amy play in the background as, as I make some points when we go back to this, my good old railroad lantern. <clears throat> I want to make three points because I'm kind of closing this out using this lantern. The power of my little light bulb here gets even more powerful the darker it gets. In other words, I can communicate much better when it when I'm in total darkness in the, down in that yard, down in that yard track, and it's dark. And I give a signal with this little this little bulb here. And it's dark. And the locomotive engineer can see me, and he might be eight thousand feet away. Of course, I'm making a big signal. Yes, I am. But darker is better. And so it is with our prayers. Now, I'm praying for revival, but I think that the Bible is telling us that, you know, unless God decides to tarry, we're facing some pretty dark times. It's okay. I'm going to signal God. I'm going to tell him what I need. He's going to hear because it's dark. Cardinal rule on the railroad. If you can't see your guy, if you can't see the light bulb, you can't, if you don't know where your man is, the locomotive engineer will not move can't move. Do you understand that? I mean, I may be in in between cars. So he's not going to make a move until he sees that light and I I give the signal. Now God is moving. Don't get me wrong. God is moving in response to all of our prayers and God is moving because he's executing a plan that he commissioned from the beginning of time. But he wants to know where I'm at. He wants to know where I'm at. And he wants to respond to me. i got to turn on my light. <clears throat> the final thing is that i got to remember that it's not this little bitty light bulb that has any power. And it's not my six-volt battery that goes in my lantern down there that has any power. And it's not... Any power that's in my arm, I'm given a signal, but that's not the power that's causing the movement. 
the power, in the case of me as a switchman, the power may be 24,000 horsepower in the form of a locomotive that's a mile away from me, mile and a half. I don't have the power. This, this doesn't have the power. Max Lucado says, says it like this. Our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Oh, brothers, sisters. So important. Not this. Not this. Big God. Big God. And he's moving. And we want to talk to him about how he's moving. And we want to be included in his movement. Amen. Amen. Here's your handout. Why seven? Well, seven is obviously a pretty significant number to God. According to theologians, seven is the number of completion and perfection. It's God's number. It's obviously used in the Bible. It has a multiplier effect. How many times are we going to forget times seven? Israel before they could enter into the promised land that God was giving them. Based a mighty fortress in the form of Jericho. They were looking across the Jordan River and they're looking at Jericho. And God tells Joshua some amazing stuff. He says, you know what? You you and the children, you go over there and for six days you march around that city. And then on the seventh day, you go across there, you march around that thing seven times, then you lift up your voices, and the walls come tumbling down. And there are some people here today that need to begin to pray seven. Because you're on the verge of the promised land. You're on the verge of entering in. You're on the verge of seeing the walls come down on those things that hinder you. You're on the verge. But you've given up. No. You're going to start praying, and you're going to pray. You're going to pray seven. I want us to commit to each other as a community who believes in in, in the mighty power of Jesus Christ. We're going to start praying. We're going to, we're going to try to pray seven times a day. Whoa, Greg. Whoa. Seven. Whoa. What do I... Seven times a day, what do I pray about? Okay. Here's what you can pray about. You can pray for those people that don't know Jesus in your life. You can pray for the relationships that need to be restored in your life, and I don't know anybody that doesn't have one. You can pray for the healing in your body or the healing in your family's bodies that needs to be brought. You can pray for this church. You can pray for Pastor Allen. 
You can pray to thank God because he presented what a beautiful sunset we had tonight. God, thank you for showing me that. You can pray for the little things and you can pray for the big things. It's all good to him. He wants to hear from you. Let's pray. Can we, can we commit to each other that we're going to be a community that prays with each other and just prays? Yeah, we can. We can. Sure we can. We can do it. Put this somewhere where it reminds you. As you go about your life, you see the number seven, you start praying. You make it a lifestyle. Things will change. You're going to see people come to Jesus. You're going to see relationships restored. You're going to see bodies healed. You're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. And God is going to give you the ability, like the early church said, to speak His truth with boldness. Church, it's so good. So good. What a privilege to pray. Let's be that church that prays. I want to have the worship team come up if they could. And I want to have them play that song, I Surrender All. Come up and while they're coming up and we're gonna we're gonna listen to that song, I surrender all and while they play that song, what I'd ask is that um, I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come forward. The prayer ministry team come forward. And while we worship the Lord more if you have anything that you want to pray about, let, let, let us pray for each other. And if you don't feel like you can come forward, that's okay. Get with somebody that's there in, in your row or close to you and ask them to pray for you. There's power in prayer, church. Power in prayer. I want to pray over all of you before we do this. So just bow your heads. Father, I just thank you for this time, once again, that we got to spend with each other, Father God. I thank you, Lord God, that your desire is for each of us to be so connected with you that we literally communicate with you day in and day out. We make known the little things to you, Father. We make known the big things to you, Father God. And we see your hand moving in, the, in, in our lives and in the lives of those around us, Father God, and in the lives of the people in this community, Father. Thank you so much for being a, a God who responds to our prayers, Father. We're amazed by you. Take this word and seal it in your people, Father. Thank you for this praying people. In Jesus' name, amen.